Welcome to Andy Staples on three. It is rivalry week. It is time for big, big games. It is Monday. That means it's a pick show, but we've got a bonus for you. That's right. Joel Klatt from Fox Sports, the guy calling the biggest game of the week, the biggest game of the year. Ohio State at Michigan. Joel will join us on today's show, talking Ohio State, Michigan, talking college football playoff, talking what happens for Georgia, for Florida State, for Texas. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get right to that because, listen, we got a big guest. You let that guest do the talking. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joel Klatt. We welcome the man. There's not a commissioner of college football yet, but when they have one, this is the guy that I am voting for. Joel Klatt wow. from Fox, the Joel Klatt Show. What's up? Man, that's that's a, a ringing endorsement. You've never told me that. So now, like, let's start the campaign. Let's go. No, you you are the most reasonable voice in the sport. And you understand it. And you played that. it at a high level. And you are one of the few people, because I've seen you have to do this, who can be the analyst on TV and then shift to play-by-play. -play. Like, people don't understand <laughs> how hard that is. <laughs> Well, listen, uh, that was extenuating circumstances, there no doubt, but how you been, man? I, I'm good. This has been a crazy season. It feels like it's just mm -hmm. flown by. We're talking, you know, a few days before you're going to be in Ann Arbor for, for Ohio State, mm -hmm. Michigan. It's been the weirdest season, and there's five undefeated teams. Like, if the, if the 14 playoff is going to go out, at least it's going to go out with a bang. <laughs> That's so true. And by the way, like, it just it it the chaos. We always think like, man, it could be really chaotic. This year could be really chaotic because mm -hmm. you, you, these teams haven't lost. We haven't seen them lose yet. Um, and this is the year. I mean, I always say it. I just can't wait till we get to the twelve team playoff. I've I've you know I came around on it a few years ago. I wasn't a proponent of the playoff, and now I'm I'm certainly a proponent of the playoff. Um, can't wait for it to expand. And this, this year is, is a great reason why there's a lot of good football teams that deserve a chance to, uh, at least to crack at it. I don't know if anyone can beat Georgia though, the way that they're playing. And Andy, here's what's so fascinating to me is that Georgia uniquely understands that, that there's no titles handed out in September. There's no titles handed out in, in October. They just continue to play better and play better. They remind me of the Patriots in a lot of respects in this way of where like it just comes down to it. And you're like, how did Tom Brady play in 10 Super Bowls with the Patriots? Well, it's because every year, every other team had to go through them. That's the way Georgia feels right now. Who's beating Georgia right now? I, that's the thing. The, the way they played against Ole Miss and Tennessee I just don't know because, you know, I, I saw the preliminary line came out with the, you know, Alabama, Georgia SEC championship game. And it's like a four and a half point line. And I'm like, I don't I'm not sure how Alabama beats them, even though they've yeah. evolved into a very good team. But I, I'm, totally. I'm with you. Yeah. Now, and, and Milrow will have to play out of his mind. But the style of offense that Bama is going to have to play against Georgia is not the style of offense that Georgia generally struggles with if they do struggle. Remember, you've got to have an elite passing attack to play with them. That's what Bama had in 21 when they beat them. Mm -hmm. That's what they didn't have in the championship game, the national championship game, because of the, the injuries, mm -hmm. namely Jameson Williams. And then that's what Ohio State had before Marvin Harrison left the game last year. And, and the only other real game where you could say, like, yeah, Georgia probably should have lost that game 
those that's what you have to have. And I just don't know if, if Bama is built this year to go and beat Georgia. No. And now you've got Michigan, which started running the Georgia drill in the offseason. They've got their own stuff going on. Uh, let's talk about this game that, that you've got this week because mm-hmm. the stakes are incredible. They were the same last year. And, and and I remember when last year was was played, when that game was played, it didn't feel like the loser was going to get a mulligan. So it was the same kind of intense winner, winner takes all. But the Jim Harbaugh drama, the sign-stealing mm-hmm. accusations, all of that, the NCAA, the Big Ten, it feels like it just makes it so much bigger because he's yeah. not on the sideline. Ryan Day is now coaching against an interim. Like, what if Ryan Day loses to Jerome Moore? Well, that's... Again, there the layers to this year's game are just deeper and more nuanced and and quite frankly more entertaining than than last year's version. Even though they were both eleven and zero last year, and and you're right, like I know last year felt big, but this year feels even bigger. And and the pressure on Ohio State and namely Ryan Day to beat Sharon Moore, the 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 distraction swirling around Michigan and this team that has been so consistent and so dominant up until now. And now all of a sudden we're wondering like, well, can they protect the passer? Is JJ going to play better than he did against Maryland? All of these things come up. Um, These two teams obviously don't like each other and the fan bases don't like each other. That's an understatement. And yet it feels like it's gone to, to a hundred this year. Can the, the environment, the, the vitriol, I can't wait to get there. I just can't wait to get there. And this is, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. And by the way, the fan base confidence has flipped. Middle of the year, Ohio State, they're like, I don't know if we've got it this year. Michigan riding on high. Now you get to this week after the Maryland game and after Travion Henderson has done what he's done in the last four weeks for the Buckeyes. I feel like the fan base confidence has flipped. Ohio State fans feel really good about their chances this week. And Michigan fans are sitting there like, boy, you know, can we protect the passer? Is JJ going to play better? Our defense gave up, you know, over 20 points. It's it's just a fascinating deal. Well, and you I think you might have been the first person to point this out because you've had Michigan the last two weeks, but that Michigan has had to abandon pieces of their passing game because mm-hmm. of protection issues. Uh, Ladarius Henderson didn't play. They had to shuffle tackles around because the backup got hurt. What do you think happens in this game in terms of Michigan being able to run their entire offense? Well, it's it's a huge question. So Carson Barnhart is now, for me, the most intriguing Michigan player, and he's the other tackle. He's the tackle that was at right right tackle for the really uh, majority of the season. Then he moved over to left tackle to fill in for Ladarius Henderson last last week. Okay, so Andy, early in the game against Penn State, first it was uh, denied Dennis Sutton, former five-star guy. Then it was Adisa Isaac. Um, then it was Chop Robinson. They beat Carson Barnhard fast in the first two series. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was really was obvious. Yeah. It was incredible, right? And and it was so obvious. I looked at Gus in the break, and I was like, Michigan's in trouble. But they went to the seven offensive linemen, and they just started grinding it out. Yes, you can say, like, well, we went back to our roots, and we got tough. and we... They did that because they had to, because they couldn't protect the passer. And then last week, in the most critical series, when when Barnhart had to go over to the left tackle after Miles Hinton got hurt, the backup uh, to Ladarius Henderson, he got beat the same way. It was the same speed rush. 
And and now you're going to face a couple of guys, Jack Sawyer, who's playing his best football, JT Tuimolo-Al, who we know at the top end can take over a game like he did a year ago in Happy Valley against Penn State. And, and that's why I think people are confident uh, with, with Ohio State, because Michigan, for the first time all year, has had to come up with answers and abandon points of their offense. The, I think the one credit that you would give them is that they had the ability to do it. Uh, and some teams can't, and they would still have to throw the football, and they would get beat because of it. At least Michigan had an answer to the places that they were struggling with. Well, and the, the thing is, they've got to be able to do this against Ohio State, because if they beat Ohio State, they're still going to need this. Against Iowa, yeah. even in the in the Big Ten championship game, but again against whoever you find in the playoff, you're going to need that. So Henderson playing seems to be pretty critical. Yeah, and I think he will. I think Henderson will play. But remember, Barnhart is going to play at right tackle. He's right been side. the right tackle. So like that issue remains, even if Henderson is back, um, which is fascinating. And then JJ is going to have to play better. I know he's not 100%. Um, his mobility was not hundred percent against Maryland and, and, and it showed he panicked a couple of times and made some poor decisions. Um, and we'll see last piece of, of this game. Maybe not the last piece you can ask me more, but Blake Corum, <laughs> yeah. Blake Corum hasn't really had a chance to play against Ohio state. You know, it was mm-hmm. Hassan Haskins game, um, uh, two years ago, 2021. And last year he had the knee injury against Illinois and didn't play. And it was Donovan Edwards game. And so, you know, for a guy that scored over 50 touchdowns in his Michigan career, you can imagine he comes back in a year in which we didn't expect him to be here. This is the game he's wanted. And and Blake Corum and the way he plays it, at home in his last game in the big house, that's going to be something that that I'm going to be paying very close attention to. I did have one more on this one because you mentioned Travion Henderson, what he's done the last four weeks for mm-hmm. Ohio State. How important is it for them to have a, a – it doesn't even have to be dynamic, but reliable run game just yeah. to keep those guys off of Kyle McCord. So th- this is what doesn't get talked about. So if I was going inside football a little bit, which I know you love, you know, because you, you cover the game as well as anybody and, and know it. What you have to do against Michigan, and I alluded to it last week in the Maryland game, is that you have to put them in nickel defense. So put Mikey Sainer still on the mm-hmm. field and get the third defensive tackle off the field. Yeah. And then you've got to be able to run the ball in the interior out of those sets. Well, it just so happens that that's exactly what now Ohio State is very good at because they get in what's called 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers on the field. This is the set that they major in, the personnel group that they major in. And then you've got to be able to run the ball in the interior. That's what Henderson has been able to do for them. And they have been able to block. They've gotten so much better up front as an offensive line. When I watch the film of this game as compared to like even Indiana in the first week or some of those games, uh, Maryland early in the season, the offensive line on the inside is doing so much better. And their ability to block those defensive tackles when there's only two of them in the game, that's where the game is won and lost for Ohio State offensively. It's not technically just the way that they throw the ball because it's about throwing the ball on schedule. You've got to make sure that Kyle McCord is throwing the ball when he wants to rather than when he has to. And the way that you do that is you get into that nickel situation, get that extra lineman off the field for Michigan, and be able to stay on schedule through the internal run game on those downs. 
Kenneth Grant at Michigan, probably the scariest player I've seen all season. Uh, <laughs> watching him track down, I think it was Katron Allen in the Penn State game. It I was, know, yeah. Never seen a 340-pound guy move like that. But you know how I love the big guys. Let's, I want to talk about another one of my favorite big guys, Tavondre Sweat uh, in Texas. I saw on your show you talked about Texas potentially being boxed out by mm -hmm. multiple undefeated teams. Now that Jordan Travis has gone down for Florida State, do you feel like that changes the dynamics of of that? I do, I do, and and this is unfair. I'm not I'm not saying yeah. I like this. This is this sucks for for Florida State, and my heart's broken for Jordan. Gosh, like sucks, man. This game is is unrelenting in a lot of ways. But having said that, you know I go back to to Ohio State in 2014. You remember JT Barrett got hurt late in that season. Mm -hmm. And he was their quarterback. Um, and the committee needed to view and see Ohio State with Cardell Jones. The reason they made the playoff that year and ultimately won the national championship is because of what they did in the conference championship game against Wisconsin. They showed that they could remain dominant without their starting quarterback. So therefore, they got included as the four seed. I think the same can be true for Florida State. There is a scenario, and I know this sounds wild, and I'm not saying I love this, but I do think that there is a scenario where they remain undefeated and don't go to the playoff. If they have to squeak by Florida, who's not a very good football team, you know this, they've lost four straight. They got handled against Utah early in the season. It, Mertz is now out. Like You can't go and struggle against Florida. I don't care if it's a rivalry game or on the road. You've got to prove to the committee that you can still be a dominant still be a great team at the top of college football, even with your backup quarterback. That needs to be proved this week against Florida. Then you can have a play-in game against Louisville. If not, there is a scenario if they struggle and, and eke out close victories, even if they're undefeated, I think one of these teams might pass them. Like, just sake of argument, let's say Oregon kicks a field goal with three seconds left to beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. Well, couldn't you make an argument both of those teams are better than a Florida State team that doesn't have Jordan Travis? Well, yes, of course you can make that argument. So, like, I think that Florida State's in a precarious spot unless they go handle their business against Florida. Their playoff, I think, is on the line this week in the Swamp. It, it, I, it certainly feels like it, and we'll see what Tate Rodemaker can do. Uh, Joel, you are, you are here with us uh, with Hampton. By Hilton. And uh, I got to say, I, I have truly enjoyed those commercials you do with Gus. Uh, <laughs> but I will say what they've done in terms of breakfast. And I realize you, you travel all the time. You're in these hotels all the time. Knowing you could go down and get that fluffy waffle. Yeah. It just changes everything about your day. I, oh, I'm so glad. And you're a food guy, you know, yeah. like Andy, you know, you're and your listeners know this. So. I travel all the time. I'm I'm on the road, gosh, I would say over 100 nights a year. And so full disclosure, I don't always know exactly where I am when I wake up, right? Like, <laughs> oh, are no, you ever Joel, like that? Joel, when, I was, when I was traveling, when I worked at SI and traveled like 150 days a year, I would have moments where I'd be on my fifth hotel in five days, fifth different hotel in five days. And I will walk into the desk. I will show them my ID and say, I don't know my room number. Here's yeah. my ID. Please tell me what my room number is. <laughs> I've done the same. I've done the exact same thing. And 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 so for me, what's important is consistency. Because what I don't want is to have to wake up, not really know where I'm at. I'm a break. Like I need breakfast, right? And yep. and so 
for me, the consistency is huge. I, I, I want a good gym. I want to know that I'm in a location that's near where I need to be. And that's certainly what I get. Hampton's everywhere that I need to be. I'm never more than 30 minutes away from, from where I need to be. And then their consistency as far as the space that I get, the comfort that I get, the service that I get, and then the breakfast. So I can wake up, and this has happened before. I can wake up and be like, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's going on, but I know that breakfast is right down the elevator. Yeah. And I'm like, perfect. Okay, coffee, waffle. Now I'm like, okay, what, what's going on for the day? What do I need to do? Um, and that's what Hampton provides for me. It's the consistency across those 100 plus days of travel that I really rely on. It's the consistency of, of location and experience and, and space. So I'm thankful for them and, and to be partnered up with them and uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Well, yeah, I, I got a good travel travel situation this weekend. I'm so like I've done Black Friday where I do the Black Friday and, and then a Saturday double. And I've done it where I've tried to leave my house in Florida on Black Friday and then be at the kickoff of Nebraska, Iowa, either in Iowa City <laughs> or Lincoln. And I've done it. I've made it as toe met ball. But this one's better because I'm, I'm doing the, the Michigan State, Penn State at Ford Field. And then we'll be at the same game in Ann Arbor on Saturday. But the, I, oh, I've already made the plan. Like I'm going to land in Detroit. I'm going over to Slows, get some, some Black Friday barbecue. And then I'm going to the game. Yeah, it's it. You got to love it. No, no you, that'll be good. This, and I can't wait to see you. I'll see you in the press box. I'll see you up there. Yes, sir. Have fun with this one. I, I can't Thanks, even bud. imagine the, the intensity in the booth for something like oh, this. Man. And Joel, <laughs> appreciate it. You got it. See you, bud. So as Joel mentioned, it would be a really good year for a 12-team playoff. would be really nice if it started this year because – there are a lot of good teams. It's more than four for sure. But alas, we have to wait till next year. But that doesn't mean we can't retrain our brains. That's right. Every Monday we do this. We're trying to get ourselves ready for next year. Trying to put ourselves in the frame of mind that we need to be in next year. Because that we're not doing this again after this. There's 12-team playoff after this year. It's going to be awesome. New conference alignments. So our little hypothetical when we've been doing it every Monday will be slightly different because there won't be a Pac-12 or there will be a Pac-12 that'll more resemble the Mountain West. Uh, there will be a very large Big Ten, 18 teams, a very large ACC, the bigger SEC. So it'll look very different. And then the format, which has never been played but they're going to change it from what they've originally agreed to. I think that you're, you're going to see them do five automatic bids, seven at-larges instead of six and six. But for the hypothetical purposes, we're going with the conference alignments we have right now and the original format they agreed on because it makes it makes more sense with, with this arrangement. So here's the projection we've got. We've got Georgia, your SEC champ at number one. Michigan, your Big Ten champ at number two. You could have Ohio State here too if you wanted to. I've got Washington projected at the Pac-12 champ now. I know I, I have been projecting Oregon. Washington, very impressive against Oregon State. Like, gutting out that win in the pouring rain. I'm sorry. I, I think I'm going to ride with the Huskies for now. Number four, Texas, your Big 12 champ. Number five, Ohio State at large. Alabama at large at number six. I've got Louisville as ACC champ. Number seven, I realize that's cruel. 
I worry about Florida State now that Jordan Travis is hurt. I'm not that worried about them against Florida, but I am worried about them against Louisville in the ACC championship game. But this is the 12-team playoff, so you're going to see Florida State in a second. I got Oregon at number eight as an at-large. Obviously, if they win and Washington doesn't in the Pac-12 championship game, you just flip these or put Washington maybe even a little higher than this because they will still have a win against Oregon. Number nine, Florida State. Number 10, Oklahoma. This is where some people start to get mad because they say, what, Missouri's ranked higher than Oklahoma by the committee. Should they be? Oklahoma's got the better best win, Texas. Oklahoma also higher in the, the FPI, the SP+, all those power rankings. So that said, Missouri's still here. Missouri's at number 11. Penn State would be the one mad. Penn State would be the one left out here because, remember, number 12, has to go to the highest ranked group of five champ unless that per, that that team's ranked higher than 11. So got Tulane in that spot. I don't know if Tulane's going to be that team this year that that wins the group of five spot in the New Year's Six Bowl. They got to beat UTSA this weekend. That's going to be a tough one. But they still may wind up winning the, the American. I don't know though if that would do it because if they, if they were to lose to UTSA, I think that opens the door maybe for Liberty, which could be 12 and 0. We'll see. James Madison lost their first game, but they're not eligible to play in the Sunbelt championship game anyway. So they're, they're out of this next year. If they win the Sunbelt, they could be in the, in the hunt for this. So what's that mean for us? It means we've got Tulane at Ohio state in the horseshoe with the winner playing Texas in the cotton bowl. Ohio State be pretty heavily favored in that one. The rest of these, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that the the home team is going to be that heavily favored. Number eleven Missouri at number six Alabama, conference game, but they didn't play each other this year. And if you think about it, like Missouri Alabama feels like a pretty fun matchup. That feels like a good game. I would have enjoyed that as an SEC game this year, but we never got it. So that would be a great, great first round playoff game. Number 10, Oklahoma at number seven, Louisville. Big doings in the Ville if they got to host a playoff game. And that's really what the ACC championship game would be for, I think, in this circumstance. Uh, you know, if Florida State's undefeated, then, then maybe they're in the top four. But if everybody makes it, the committee might not be as strict about saying, well, we got to make sure you're in the top four. They might like another conference champ better than even a 13-0 Florida State. And it's not a huge crime if they were to leave them out in that situation. If they were to leave them out in this situation where, let's say, in the 14 playoff right now, Florida State goes undefeated, they can't leave them out. they got to let them in. They can't, they can't leave them out in favor of somebody who, with a loss. So next year, I think they, they probably could do that and just say, well, it's a seeding thing. But... That's essentially what that would be for. If Louisville won the ACC championship game, they would be the ones getting the home game in the playoff. That said, Oklahoma might be favored in that game. That'd be a really interesting one. And then you got number nine, Florida State, at number eight, Oregon, winner playing Georgia in the Peach Bowl. An Oregon-Georgia game would be uh, would be fun. In the same building they played it last year in the, in the season opener, I don't think the result would be similar. I, I think... Georgia might still win, but it would not be the blowout that it was last year when they played Oregon. So that's what the 12-team playoff would look like if it were happening this year. Man, I wish it were happening this year, but that's okay. We, we can't have everything we want.
We can't have too much ice cream. We'll get it next year. Now it's time for picks. Our guest picker is the great Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. But first, I got to tell you about where we get these lines and these totals. That's FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Staples and sign up. You make a winning $5 money line bet. So basically you say, I think this team will win and they win. Then you get $150 in bonus bets. So winning $5 money line bet will get you $150 in guaranteed bonus bets at FanDuel, America's best sports book. It's the easiest one to play. You find the game you want. You say, I would like this team to win. I'll take the points. I'll take the money line. I'll take the team total. I'll take the first half team total. I'll bet it live. There are so many ways to play on FanDuel. The app is incredibly easy to use. A few taps and you're in. FanDuel.com slash Staples. New customers. $5 winning money line bet. $150 in guaranteed bonus bets. Thank you, FanDuel, for all these lines and totals. Thank you, FanDuel, for the Iowa-Nebraska 27.5 total. Oh, my goodness. It's a blessing. On to the picks. We are honored to be joined by the host of Crane and Company, Jake Crane. He is our guest picker today. Jake, you are the first coach turned mm. podcaster I think we've uh, we've ever nice. had. Nice. This is, so tell tell the folks about your history because you, mm. you get out of college, you go to cover Auburn for rivals, and then you're called back into the family business. Mm-hmm. Man, it's uh wild for real. Um, I'm gonna write a book one day. Uh, about it we'll see you know uh, all six people that buy it number one thanks for having me love what you guys are doing it on three andy I, obviously you know the respect i have for you and and what you guys are building it's it's a fantastic product it's better every week it seems but yeah just a short synopsis uh played in college um actually played baseball in college uh at south alabama uh wanted to get into coaching was going to get into baseball coaching um had opportunity to play football some places in college and decided to play baseball because i wanted to play at the highest level i could uh, and and that was my route. But, I, you know, football is always my favorite sport, uh, the one I love the most, the one I was most passionate about. And so decided about my, you know, halfway through my junior year, my father, who was a coach, played played uh, at Auburn, played in the NFL. He did, did not want me to get into coaching, did not want me to do it at all. Uh, I, I knew how it was. I didn't, you know, see him a lot until I was about eight or nine years old because he was always out. And that was even before now when it's even crazier. Um but yeah, man, uh, got out, worked for Rivals for a little bit, got back in, wanted to get back into coaching. You know, obviously my, my father, you know, then passed away, um, went and coached uh, my brother his senior year of high school, won a state championship there, got a chance to, to basically GA at South Alabama, and it just kind of blossomed from there, man. Ended up coaching uh, for nine and a half years, really 10 years, uh, six, six uh, years at the Division One level. And during COVID, they sent us back. I was up in uh, Montana coaching and Man, I was just trying to waste time. That was one of the first years, the early signing period. So I had most of my guys signed and just got a $50 mic off Sweetwater. Shout out, you know, Sweetwater. Yeah. Uh, and started doing it and it just took off, man. It, I, I keep wait, waiting to wake up from a coma and then be like, listen, a semi just smoked you coming under a mountain. It's 2035, you know, <laughs> flying cars. Uh, Auburn really didn't lose the New Mexico State, all type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is a... Uh... It is stunning sometimes to think about. Wait, I, this I, I'm just talking about college football here, and that's that's the job. Okay, for sure. Like and sometimes you got, I, you got all the sports on Crane and Company. You're talking about the whole world. 
So. Yeah. And, and it's a lot, you know, people ask what's the hardest part. It's probably covering all of it. Right. Especially when I was doing the J boy show, it was just college football and, and mainly the sec, right. And kind of the top contenders, but it's amazing, man. You know, they say, uh, people always ask me, you know, do you want to get back into coaching and do I miss like game day? Do I miss the competitiveness of it kind of being around the guys and stuff like that? Yeah, a little bit, but man, I'll tell you what, when 18 to 22 year olds play bad and I don't get fired because of it, I can just talk about it. That's a, that's a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a lot longevity wise. It's a better life plan. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I imagine just the, the true understanding of how the sausage gets made. Oh yeah. Helps a lot in your, in your current job. For sure. Well, and look, there's some things I can say. There's some things obviously I can't say what we try and do is bring a, bring a perspective of, you know, winning the water cooler is what we call it. When, when you watch the show, we, we want it to be like, you know, you just happen to sneak into your favorite team's field house in football and, and be able to talk to the coaches and have a drink with them. And, you know, we'll get into the nitty gritty sometimes. David Cohn, our, you know, played quarterback at Michigan, not the major league baseball pitcher. Like he says, he'd never played. Oh, I, I remember that um, David Cohn too. I yeah. That. Yeah. It's uh but we'll we'll dive into it. You know, we'll get schematical and stuff, but not too much to the point where, you know, the terminology throws people off. But just not not even not even, you know, just the schematical stuff, but just how how it works in recruiting. Like, yeah, the, that's what I mean. That, like when, when somebody sends out their decommit announcement and, you know, mm -hmm. they just weren't a take. Yeah. And, and because they found somebody they like better. Like, For sure. That's the sort of thing that I think people who who haven't been in the business or, or who've not been on that side of the business just don't understand. Yeah. And it's, it, there's a lot of stuff and it's such a, especially the higher level you go, just like anything in life, it's such a big organization. Like even when I was at South Alabama, there's so many moving parts, but it's kind of the nuanced stuff, right? Like the gamesmanship. I mean, even, even, you know, uh, all the way up to the injuries and the depth chart being sent out that week and the games that people play, oh, you put your backup quarterback, he's listed as, as uh, a backup PP on the punt team. Right. You only do that. So it scares the hell out of me. So I'm afraid to go after punts because I think you may fake it, especially if this guy runs out there. So the in-game stuff's great. You know, being able to call personnels and coverages and know what's coming. We live stream games. People like it a lot because we'll be like, all right, hey, this is about to happen. Here's where he's about to work. This is why he's going to do it. Uh, and we don't know everything. There's guys out there that, that know more than me. Um, but, you know, I've been behind the scenes. I grew up in it. You know, as I like to say, I was born in the waters of uh, of the, the sport of football, especially in college football. And being able to cover it, man, I, I I love it the most. And that's what we try and get. I think that's the best gift that we can give people that and hitting bets. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we're going to, we're going to try to hit some bets here. Now, this'll be, this'll be uh, some interesting ones because a lot of these games we're, we're talking about because they are interesting games in the playoff scenario that not necessarily that we are seeing anything in the line. It's just, these are ones everybody's gonna be watching. So for sure, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll, let's start Thanksgiving night and, I, I want to run this by you as someone who's been in the business. I think there should be a job called interim coach. Uh, like I've said all along, I think Ed Orgeron is the best interim coach in college football history. Like you remember when he took over for Lane at USC, he brought cookies back to the training table. USC takes off. Yeah. I think when you fire your coach, instead of bringing up someone on the staff, you just bring in coach O, and it's going to work. You pay him like half a million dollars and mm -hmm. he'll keep your recruiting class together. Now it's a little like in the concert when the guy has to have the word Cleveland on the back of his guitar. Like yep. he's got to remember what school he's, but it's, uh, there will be lapses in. in so in mercenary, language. basically yeah. like a mercenary coach. You just bring in the handle. I'll, I'll give you one better, Andy. Not only when the coach gets fired, 
But what happened if, if the coach gets suspended for a hamburger? What happens if a coach gets suspended mm-hmm. for, you know, allegedly knowing about stealing signs? You can just bring Ed O on the sideline, let him run up and down, talk like this, scare the hell out of everybody. Can you imagine um, Coach O on the sideline? You bring him in from the bullpen. Does the AD just come and, like, point to the right hand yep. and Ed O just, you know, hang glides into the field? He'd be the perfect one, though, right? It would have yeah. to be somebody like Ed O. Well, I say, I say this for a reason because I think – I think Coach O may have competition. Who? Greg Knox, interim coach at Mississippi State right now. Look at this. This is Greg Knox before the Southern Miss game, riding a four-wheeler into the locker room. I love now, it. Greg Knox is now 2-0 and as an interim coach. He, he, he beat Florida State as Florida's interim coach mm. after Dan Mullen got fired. He beat Southern Miss last week. If he wins the Egg Bowl, he has to be – on the on par with coach o as greatest interim coaches of all time and i'll tell you like so when greg knox was at florida he lived down the street from me mm-hmm. here's where I, I earned ultimate respect for greg knox his kids were out working in the yard every single time i went by his house god i, love I it. can't make my kids do anything like that oh i used to hate when my parents used to make me have to do that um now look i I tell you what, I, I love embracing kind of, you know, the chaos that you're in when you're the interim coach. And, you you know, you do want to have fun with the guys because who knows? You may never get this opportunity again. It seems like every time Greg gets it, he takes advantage of it. He was at Auburn for a long time, got a ton of respect for him and his family as well. They did a lot of great things for the Auburn community. But, no, I mean, you've got to embrace it, right? You, you've got to cherish it. It's kind of like on Billy Madison when he grabs that fat kid's cheeks. He's like, <laughs> for the love of God, you've got to cherish it. But you can tell the players are enjoying it. And, you know, down the road, too, and I know Greg's been coaching for a while, uh, if he does want to get a head job or he does want to interview, it's a pretty good resume builder to say, hey, listen, not only have do I have head coaching experience as far as trying to prepare the guys and coming in in tough situations, I'm also undefeated and we're driving four wheelers around in the locker room. It sounds like a heck of an NIL deal from, you know, somebody, Yamaha, somebody. <laughs> but, uh, you know, add him to the list. You should come up with like, you know, they say the AD has like a list yeah. of names in his, in his top drawer. You should have like that Andy Staples all-time interim coach uh, list that you can just pull from. Greg Knox got to be on there. Edo's got to be on there. There's got to be a couple others that that you, we could fish out of the water that have done a good job. But I would still put Edo number one just because I want to be around that. And I know he's going to drink 35 Red Bulls a day. Tell me about Roback and get the guys excited. Exactly. Roback story time. Roback's one of our sponsors too. It, it's, they love the podcasters. Uh, Brilliant. Roback story time with, with Coach O is Brilliant. one of my favorite segments of the week. So. It's great. What look, Jackson Tan living his best life, right? Mm-hmm. And out there just working it. Now, rich, rich handy. <laughs> exactly. Old living Mitch. the buyout life. We've not said a word about the old Miss Mississippi State game. Uh, FanDuel has this at, at Mississippi State plus 12 and a half. I've seen it in other places at Mississippi State plus 11. Ole Miss is going to cover whatever this spread is. I'm sorry. Lane wants to to get all these wins. And in this rivalry, you don't feel bad for the other team if they fired their coach. Like, you beat them down if you can beat them down. No, you get a chance to step on the throat. You you step on the throat. Like, you don't want to win. You just you want to embarrass. You want to set them back as far as you possibly can when they are down. This is one of the in- rare instances where it is very good to kick someone while they're down. You might as well drop kick them or suplex them while they're down. And look, or or pretend to pee on them like a dog. The, look, that's you can do whatever you want. I mean, you know what? Germany, wherever you want to do it, doesn't matter. But here's what I'll say about this game. Mississippi State's going to play free, right? They're going to play loose. 
You just showed Greg they're driving four-wheelers through the locker room. And that's great. It is a great story what Greg Knox has been able to do coming off, obviously, the firing of Zach Arnett, who took over for the tragic loss of Mike Leach. But you know what else was a great story? Little Red Riding Hood. And we all know what happened to her, right? <laughs> Hansel and Gretel. Look, we know. Y'all walked inside the house made of candy. Ole Miss last week, you could tell they were looking ahead a little bit. They, they slow played La Monroe, really kind of took off in the second half. I think Mississippi State will put up a fight early. I think this game will, will be tighter than what people think, maybe even going into halftime. But gravity is a real thing. Science is a real thing. <laughs> and science and gravity tell us Ole Miss has better players than Mississippi State. Ole Miss's defense, while they're not elite, they are better, especially in the red zone under Pete Golding. And when that field shrinks, Mike Wright's lack of ability to throw the ball, who's ever in there at quarterback, I don't trust the offensive line anyway. They had not been able to pick up a twist all year. I don't think Mississippi State has the firepower to be able to score enough points where if Ole Miss just goes in there and plays well, notice I didn't say great, right. notice I didn't say perfect. If Ole Miss goes in there and plays well, I don't think Mississippi State can score enough touchdowns. And all it takes, all it takes – when, when Even when you're riding a high, like they are with Greg Knox right now, for a team without a true head coach, where there's a lot of you know turmoil right now against a team where there's a chance to win 10 games for Lane Kiffin after all the crap he has to hear about not winning 10 games, eventually there's a straw that breaks that camel's back, whether it's Judkins, whether it's Jackson, whether it's one of the freaks they got running around outside. Ole Miss is going to be too much, Andy. I'm with you. I think they cover it like a warm blanket in the wintertime, baby. <laughs> all right let us uh let's move to black friday one of my favorite black friday traditions iowa and nebraska we always pick the iowa total i went over last week jake because i was sure we were going to get a quote unquote i'm using air quotes here shootout between yeah. iowa and illinois and we almost did we almost did and it almost went over Caleb Johnson does not convert a third and seven late in the game. Iowa has to kick a field goal that would have pushed the total to 31 and pushed it over that 30 and a half. But this is the lowest opening total. Believed to be the lowest opening total in college football history. That's insane. 20, 27 and a half. But Nebraska is favored by a point and a half. Iowa has won the Big Ten West. Nebraska needs this to become bowl eligible. Chubba Purdy now yep. slinging the rock. For the Cornhuskers, bro younger brother of Brock from Arizona, went to Florida State. Now he's at Nebraska. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking here? Man, I tell you what, I don't – it's sad that the over-under is 27. And I'm a defensive guy. Always have been. I, I love a good rock fight, even in college basketball. <laughs> it, it's sad that that the, the total's at 27 and a half. But you know what's worse, Andy? I love the under. I love the <laughs> under. I still feel like – to be honest with you – I don't, I don't know if they're going to score more than one and a half. Screw the over-under. I mean, Nebraska – I mean, if there's any way that a game could end one nothing, and it's basically – it's impossible. <laughs> they would find a way in this game. But but I'll say this, and, and we give Iowa a hard time, and they deserve it, right? They deserve it. If the Big Ten West is bad. It's just bad. I think Luke Fickle and Wisconsin are going to be fine down the road. I really do believe that. I've been really disappointed with Tanner Mordecai this year, to be honest with you, at Wisconsin. But when I look at this game, Nebraska, and the biggest thing that Matt Rule is having to change right now is something you see in, in every sport, right? But especially in an early tenure of a head coach. He's having to teach them how to win, right? It's it, we Even early in the year, that they've won some games. You know, Nebraska, they, they, they win this game. They're bowl eligible, I believe. You know, but they found ways to lose games earlier in the year. It seems like they struggle to find a way to win. And Iowa, as much as we make fun of them, 
as 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 much as we point and laugh at their offense, right? You know, it's it's like the Steven Glansberg of college football just over there on offense, just eating pudding by yourself in the lunchroom. <laughs> they find ways to win. Iowa, Iowa finds ways to, as ugly as it is. And last week's a great example of it. You find a way to score that touchdown to be able to beat Illinois. And I was with you. I I liked the over last week, uh, to be honest with you, because I thought Paddock looked really good the week before for Illinois. Yeah. They could at least score enough. And I didn't trust Illinois on defense because their best players are playing for the Seahawks right now from last year. But when I look at when I look at this Nebraska team, I just don't know yet if they have that. Is is this the win that turns it for them? That that finally kind of you've seen it with the Broncos a little bit right now in the NFL. Yep. Finding a way to win. You look at the Chargers. They find ways to lose. That's in your team's DNA. And right now, I've still got to lean Iowa. I like them on the money line because whether it's one to nothing, whether it's seven to six, whether it's nine point two to four point seven, I think Iowa knows how to win, and Nebraska's learning it. But I do like Matt Rule. One of the most important things for Nebraska over this next couple of weeks is not letting Tony White go anywhere, especially to Syracuse if they don't get Signetti. Because I tell you what, what he's done on defense, nobody's talking about it enough from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. He has been fantastic against all different types of systems. But give me Iowa to find it. Maybe in overtime. Hey, it could be 6-3 in, in four overtimes. Well, we could have the Frank Beamer 0-0 end of regulation. But does this not feel like, Andy, does this not feel like that Auburn-Mississippi State 3-2 game, though? Very like, much. We can generally have another one. That was bad. That was that was uglier well, than my brother. You mentioned, when he blue. you mentioned Tony White. Like that defense is very good. Like Iowa's defense is awesome, but Nebraska's is right up there. And so, like Cole Huttmacher coming after my man Deacon Hill. That yeah. that's like six hundred pounds of collision right there. For sure. Well, you can't you can't drive that on on the interstate in some roads with that much. But when, when <laughs> you know when you look at Tony, I think the most impressive thing too is. You know, it's not like you're playing the same system every week. The NFL's hard. I'm not saying the NFL is easy, but but what makes the NFL, I think, a little bit more not, not easier, but but it flows a little bit better is a lot of people run similar stuff. There's a reason right. it's called pro style, and you don't have to worry about recruiting and academics and stuff like this. Look at Nebraska at the beginning at the beginning of the year. You play Minnesota, right? You shut them down. That's one style of, of offense. Then you go play Colorado, a totally different style of offense. And you're able to pretty much shut them out and, and hold them down. Yeah, other than handing the football in the, in the wrong side of the field. But yeah, yeah. I mean, look, and, and Jeff Sims just couldn't catch a snap. But I think Tony White may, is one of the most underrated coordinators in college football. I know he doesn't have any head coaching experience, but I think if Syracuse whiffs on a, on a couple of guys after getting rid of Dino, he could be a legitimate, legitimate option to go be the new head coach at Syracuse. So you want to hold him down, keep that continuity. Uh, and and again, man, this is one, um, you know, it's not going to be pretty, but listen, sometimes it's not, but wins always pretty. So here's my thing on this. I'd probably take Nebraska because of the motivation factor. They need to make a bowl game. Iowa's already in the big 10 championship game. Iowa, you know, was, emotional they lost cooper to gene last week in the middle of the week I, I i thought maybe okay they're they're due for a little lapse here but i need some points for nebraska if i don't get any points i got a problem with that so i will take iowa to cover in this game i just oof, i don't know where the scoring is but i will take the under here because it's gonna be hideous like the only way this goes over is defensive or special team scores Oh, without a doubt. Or you, or you do go into overtimes where you get to three or four, and just the math adds up. Even if you're going for the, you know, the two point play in in the new overtime rules, this just feels like one of those games where somebody loses it, they don't win it. I don't think people Correct. realize a lot in in sports in general, but especially in college football, most teams lose games. Other teams don't win them. 
That's what right. made that's what makes what Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and them do it's so incredible. Is that not only do they have better players than you, they let you beat yourself while they have better players. That's how you dominate people, and that, that's what we've seen from those two programs. So I feel like this is a game, whether it's a pick, whether it's a fumble, whether it's a safety or a kickoff return, punt return, block punt, something like that, Andy. Uh, it's It's got to be that way because I don't see both these offenses being able to march. I'm glad you brought up the idea of teams beating themselves and teams having better players because we're going to talk about a team that has better players but often does things to try to beat itself. Texas Tech against Texas. Yeah. The Longhorns against Iowa State made some mistakes that against somebody they'd probably play in the Big 12 championship game would cost them the game. They end up winning by 10. I keep wondering at what point will Texas play a nice, clean game? And maybe they did that. Maybe that was the Kansas game. But when will Texas play a nice, clean game where they just beat a team they're supposed to beat by a million? Well, I mean, you know, when you look at the way the secondary is playing, I don't know if Texas Tech is the greatest remedy for you to be able to play a complete game. I mean, you got torched through the air by Iowa State, who's, you know, not exactly the Globetrotters on right. offense. Now, I know they did, didn't uh, get anything in the ground. They, game, bit on, they bit on a pop pass. That was that was yeah. a killer. Yeah, it was. And and look, I, I think when it comes to Texas, it's no, it's no secret. Texas is not playing its best ball at the time of year where you need to be playing your best ball. Now, anybody that says, in my opinion, Andy, that a one-loss Texas at the end of the year and a one-loss Alabama, that Alabama should, should somehow get in the playoff over them, has lost their mind. You're going to ruin the regular season or you're just going to ruin non-conference scheduling because nobody's going to ever schedule anybody anymore if that win doesn't matter. Uh, I think the regular season has to matter. But when you look at this Texas team, I think right now they are in more trouble. At you know, Obviously, Florida State losing Jordan Travis, that, that's such a tough deal. I think Texas is in legitimate trouble. And if you're an Alabama fan, obviously you have to beat Georgia to be able to make the college football playoff. But Texas does look the most vulnerable to, to allow you to slip into that fourth spot um, if you do beat Georgia. It just seems like to me Texas is having to scrape by and hope to put wins together, whether that's crazy, chaotic plays that have to happen. They're not just lining up and thoroughly beating people because they're better than they are. And I don't want to hear excuses about Jonathan. I know Jonathan Brooks is a really good back, right? Jonathan Brooks has nothing to do with the secondary getting torched by Iowa State. D make no mistake, Baron Morton, right, a, a, a name that a lot of people probably don't know who replaced uh, Tyler Shuck and they kind of had that QB carousel. He's been playing pretty good. They've been winning games. Texas yeah. Tech can move the ball through the air. And the longer Texas lets them hang on this game, Andy, and I know they're minus 14, the longer they let them hang in there, the more Tech's going to believe. But I think Texas does find a way to win. Uh, I'm going to take Tech, though, to cover, to cover. the 14. Okay. The 14. I think Texas wins this game. This feels like kind of a 41-28 20, uh, type game, maybe 44-31 type game. I do think Texas will be able to score but they better not give Tech hope early because Joey McGuire, he, he can get them ready, right? It hadn't been the year a lot of people thought, but he can get them ready. Yeah, this one, I, I kind of wonder, like, on a short week, because they're playing this on Black Friday, like, on a short week, mm -hmm. do they, I don't know, take a little thought out of it and just let their better players be better? Mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't know if that's a thing. I, I see that in the NFL with those Thursday games where it feels like, the more talented team just always wins that game. Addition by subtraction. Yeah. So it's called addition by subtraction. We're better than you because we're not overthinking process yeah. by analysis. What 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 I'm gonna find what what I'm gonna find very interesting in this game 
is how aggressive Texas Tech's going to be on fourth down. I would yeah. not be shocked if you saw a fake. I would not be shocked if you saw a surprise onside kick. Because if you're Texas Tech, you're not you going to lose this game, right? Yeah. Let, let it go hang out there and see if you can hang around and, and win the game. But uh, it should, I think this one's going to be a little bit more intriguing than what people think. And I'll tell you what, if Texas does, man, the Big 12 now, looking at the Big 12, Andy, I mean, it's looking who in the Big 12 is really playing that great? I mean, Kansas Nobody. State. Maybe, I mean, maybe a little bit. I, I, it's, it's kind of falling off. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, Texas needs to, to get back in a year. I think Texas covers this one. I'm worried about Texas in the, in the Big 12 championship game, whoever they wind up playing, because yeah. any of those, like, one of those three teams has already beaten them. One of those three teams should have beaten them. We haven't seen them play the other one. And Mike Gundy as a game day coach, I still have utmost faith in. So that's the, that's the thing I, I got with Texas. Like, I think they're going to be fine this week. It's next week that I start to worry, but they still have a good chance to make the playoff for the same reason. I think most of the committee agrees with you and me on that, that beating Alabama has to count for something. Head to head it has, has to, to matter. It has to. Cause like, again, I, and, and I hear people talking about with the 12 team playoff. Oh, it's going to water down the regular season. Oh, it's going to water down the regular season. Well, you want to know how to water down the regular season, make it not matter. Make yeah. the head to head not matter. Oh, so the first three weeks of the season, they just really don't matter. It's not how you play in the first three weeks. It's how you're playing in the last three weeks. I think it makes the job easy for the committee. If that last spot comes down between a one-loss Alabama and a mm -hmm. one-loss Texas, your bed's already made. It, but it, that, the, that won't even be the last spot. Like, they'll bump Texas up because they'll want to have Alabama in there if Alabama beats Georgia. Oh, they'll so, find a way to get Bama yeah. in. It, they'll find a way. Believe me, I was shocked that Bama didn't – I was shocked Bama didn't get over TCU last year, to be honest with you. <laughs> they, they, they do always find a way, though. All right, let, let's go to this one. This is one that the, the line's been moving a little bit. Oregon State at Oregon, the Civil War. Oregon favored by 13.5 as we're recording this. I was somewhat surprised this line was this big because – I thought Oregon State played well against Washington, should have beaten Washington. They did, For whatever reason, when they got the ball back with about five and a half minutes to go down two, they decided to run Washington's offense instead of their own offense. And that felt like a mistake. But now they're playing an Oregon team that I do know from talking to the, you know Dan Lanning and the folks around Oregon, they spent this entire offseason reminding the players of how they yep. collapsed against Oregon State last year. So Oregon is definitely going to take this seriously. Well, it's like Jonah Hill said in Superbad, you know, with oh boy talking about penis pants in the second grade, people don't forget. <laughs> like Oregon Oregon did not forget that they've had – and look, it's a rivalry game anyway, but you got punked – you got beat up in front of your family last year. Remember they got the lead and just got it ran down their throat? Mm -hmm. So you, got, you can't get beat up in front of your wife. I mean, come on, man. You you got you to gotta regain your honor. They get him at home. But I'll tell you this about this Oregon team. The more I wipe my eyes and look at them, the more they're starting to look like an SEC team up front. And just the way they go about things. I know they're trying to win Bo Nix, the Heisman, and he got, had, you know, eight touchdowns, whatever it was, crazy last game. But the Washington, the Washington game, I thought, for Oregon State could not have lined up better for the Beavers. You had bad weather. You're a downhill run team that prides themselves on defense, even though the defense hadn't been as great as what I thought it was going to be this year in some big games. You had Washington come in that's a pass-happy team. They were playing right into your hands. And Washington outgrimed you. Like, DJU at the end of the day is who DJU is, just like Joe Milton is who Joe Milton is. DJU is an average thrower of the ball. He misses a lot of routine throws. He'll make some great plays, right? He'll shake some tackles. He'll make a couple good throws. But he's not consistent. And that's what cost Oregon. Even in bad weather, Penix only had 168 yards, but he was more consistent and efficient 
in big moments, playing a different style than they really wanted to play in that weather. When I look at, I love Oregon in this game. There's a reason it started, I think, at 11 and got bed up. I feel like Oregon can stop the run, and defensively, DJU is not going to have success, just like Joe Milton didn't have success against Georgia, being able to throw the ball consistently against this team. So what's your answer? You want to establish the run, use play action, use your boots, use your waggles, use your max protects to get the matchups you want on the outside and, and give DJU time. But if you can't run the ball, that that you can't do that. You can't operate like that, and they're not going to pitch backwards. On the other hand, Oregon State's defense has struggled in, in big moments some this year, and even in moments against offenses that weren't great. And Oregon is as dangerous as any team in the country when it comes to playing complementary football, and they're trying to win Bo Nix the Heisman. If you want to look at maybe the difference in hitting that 13-and-a-half and an ending just under, they're trying to win this man the Heisman. There's literally billboards in Times Square and all <laughs> over the country I think Oregon rolls in this one. I think it's going to be about 50 degrees. There's no rain in the forecast. I like the Ducks big here as they get ready to play Washington again. You know what, Andy? They're going to beat them. Well, it never rains at Austin Stadium, so that there's there's no fear of that. And I, I agree. I'll take Oregon to cover here on this one. I think the Oregon-Washington rematch is going to be a little – a little trickier than than you and Vegas do. I, I keep seeing it because I keep seeing that number go up too. Like yeah. I think it's seven and a half right now. The hypothetical, currently hypothetical, but will be a real thing after this game, Oregon Washington rematch. But yeah, I'll take Oregon to cover in this one. I, I just I, for the same reason, it's a Styles make fights thing. The yeah. way Oregon is built right now, they should be able to to slow down Oregon State's run game, and Oregon should be able to score kind of however they want to. Against Oregon State. I think you're going to get a pick six early in this game. I I think DJU is going to float one over the middle that goes right into a safety's hands like he's known to do, and you get a pick six. But I tell you what, man, I'm just interested to see if in that Oregon, I don't want to put the cart for the horse, but in that Oregon-Washington matchup, is Dan Lanning going to make the most drastic decision in every situation possible? (laughs) It just reminds me of every fourth down. He's like The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson in the other guys when they're just like, aim for the bushes. Let's just jump (laughs) off the roof and hit the bushes. That'll be fine. It's fourth and three. From your own yeah. 30. It'll be fine. Just aim for the bushes. We, we've we had the other guys. We've had super bad Peter. When, when you made the super bad Peter Pants reference, by the way, I was hoping you'd call back to Billy Madison again so we'd have double oh, Peter dude. Pants references in the same podcast. Then I'm Miles Davis. You ain't cool unless you peed your pants. So, <laughs> all right. You need to watch that movie. I haven't watched that one in a while. I, Chris Farley in that movie kills me, man. It's like, who eats 30 sack lunches? Uh, Steve Buscemi is spectacular. I will say that. So as, as a, a parent of like, I've got a 14 and a 12 year old. So my wife and I have tried to school them on the classics and uh, we've showed them a lot of the, the the comedy. We we haven't, obviously we haven't ventured into the dirty R rated comedies yet. Uh, We'll, we'll get to super bad later, but Billy Madison by far their favorite by far classic classic. They didn't like happy Gilmore. But they, they loved like Billy it. Madison. Yeah. So they loved Billy Madison, did not like Happy Gilmore. Didn't, wasn't just, didn't oh, care for it. Really? Yeah. It was weird. Didn't like, didn't like didn't like Dumb and Dumber. Mm. That was weird. That's t- dude, that's tough. Yeah. I, be- I believe in you though, Andy. I believe in your parenting skills enough. Like I feel like they're gonna come around on that. I, I, I feel like they will, but the Billy Madison thing just did my heart good because it we can turn on Billy Madison at any time. Oh, it's a great it's, it's a great it's it's good to go. It's like chicken, it's great all time of the year. Absolutely. Not a nervous bird, Jim Harbaugh. 
We'll be back with more picks, but first, let me tell you about Game Time. Download that Game Time app. Use the code STAPLES. Get $20 off your first purchase. Do you want to see the Michigan-Ohio State game in the big house this weekend? You can get tickets on Game Time right now. That game's been sold out forever. You can get tickets on Game Time right now. You click the, the seat you want to look at. You will get an image of your vantage point in the stadium, exactly what it will look like where you are sitting in the stadium. So you can pick that out. couple more taps. The ticket is yours. Maybe you want to go see the Civil War in Eugene, Oregon. Game Time's got that one too. Not, not as pricey as the game, but still going to be thrilling. Oregon State versus Oregon. Oregon trying to clinch that spot in the Pac-12 title game. Or maybe you just want to go to the Iron Bowl. Alabama and Auburn, Jordan-Hare Stadium. We know weird things happen in Jordan-Hare, even when the home team is an underdog. Well, guess what? Game Time has tickets to that, too, because Game Time has tickets to everything. Sporting events, concerts, comedy shows, theater, you name it. Game Time has it. It's so easy to sign up, so easy to get your tickets. You can transfer them on game day using a text message. They take all the stress out of last-minute ticket buying. I mean, think about it. It's pretty last-minute if you want to go to Ohio State and Michigan. But you can go with Game Time. So download that app. Use the code STAPLES. 20 bucks off your first purchase. All right. Texas A&M at LSU. This number has dropped. Mm-hmm. It is now LSU minus 11.5. People apparently have gone back and watched LSU's defense. Yeah. But this one, uh, so Jaden Daniels needs a giant game against, this will be one of the more talented defenses he faces. We'll see where they're at uh, you know, two games into a, a coach being fired and, and all of that. But this is, uh, this is an interesting one because LSU's in a weird spot. Jaden Daniels is not going to have that extra game. Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. will be playing in an extra game. So they got to get his numbers. Like, I thought they left him in too long as Georgia State. Because I, I don't think people are fooled by that. Mm-hmm. So uh, they got to get his numbers here. Yeah. I, I, I tell you what, Andy. it's It, it seems like every time this year that Jaden Daniels, it, it doesn't matter who's on defense. Like, yeah. he is one of those transcendent guys. Jaden Daniels, to me, I want to know what his shuttle is. I, I want to <laughs> yeah. know what his 10-yard burst. Jaden Daniels, to me, and, and look, Caleb Williams, I think, is going to be great in the NFL. How will Jaden Daniels translate to the NFL? I think he's a better version of DTR, who we saw a little bit this week mm-hmm. with, with the Cleveland Browns. But we'll see how that game translates. But he would be my number one pick if I was forming a college football team today. It doesn't matter if it's Alabama. doesn't matter if it's Georgia State. Even against Florida State in a game where they stalled in the red zone a lot and you feel like they had a quote-unquote bad game on offense, go look at his numbers. They're insane. Uh, this man just operates at a different level. I think him and Jordan Travis both have started to scramble with their eyes down the field, which has opened up so much more and it puts so much more pressure on a defense outside of just taking off to run or hanging in the pocket too long, right? It's, it's you know, he's the best improviser since Ryan Styles on whose line is it anyway? Uh, it's watching him work outside of the pocket. And look, he's a very accurate passer, especially down the field. I mean, go back to that Mississippi State game, which really kind of launched him into the stratosphere a little bit. I mean, he's putting the ball on a dot, and he's got weapons all around him. I don't think A&M can stop him. 
I don't think anybody can stop him, to be honest with you. I think if you put 13 guys on defense, he would still find a way. I love the over in this game because LSU can't stop anybody. And look, these two teams don't like each other. And don't forget what happened last year, right? So uh, LSU has to win if Jaden Daniels wants to win the Heisman because even though as an LSU fan, it's got to make you sick to your stomach that you have the deadliest offense in college football, but you're not going to get a chance to win it because your defense is so bad. Does winning the Heisman maybe maybe take a little shine to you a little bit, maybe make it feel a little bit better, I guess, maybe. Uh, but I think Jane Daniels stays in. I think LSU, obviously, at home, big game for them, his last game there. I think LSU covers this, but I love the over. I need to see the LSU total team points, too. Yeah, I believe LSU ha has hit the over every single game. Has to, right? Year. So uh, I, I know as, as as of the week of the Florida game, they had, and then they hit the over in that one. I don't know what the Georgia State one was. Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone, but I imagine they hit the over in that one too. It was like 75 and a half. I think it was, if, if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, it yeah. was, I had some money on that. I had some money on LSU TTP over 51 and a half. That's like, it's like back in the day when you could rob banks, just walk in there with a gun and like, there's no cops. <laughs> like you can't do it nowadays, but you know, that's why I always laugh when they just glorify all these bank robbers, how smart they were. I was like, there's no security. You showed up with a gun and they gave you the money. Like simpler times, simpler, simpler times. Time. Yeah, at, we'll we'll see what happens with uh with Texas A and M. You know, it, it's Jalen Henderson. I, I that the Jalen Henderson era is fascinating to me. Will maybe be a footnote in Texas A and M history, or who knows? I because yeah. like I'm way more interested in their coaching search than I am in what happens in this game. So I just don't know where to go. How are you? How are you feeling about that A and M coaching search, Andy? How are you? How, is, is there anybody that kind of just stands out to you right now that you would, if you're if you're Ross Bjork, who would you go get? I, I would get Lance Leipold. That's oh, who I'd get because he oh, will kick your ass anywhere. Like people don't understand what because you say, oh, that guy can't recruit in the SEC. I bet he can. I bet yeah. he can, and I'll tell you why. Not because of what he's done at Kansas, but which, which is amazing. The the reclamation project there. He won six national titles at Wisconsin Whitewater, mm -hmm. like. Do you know what you have to be as a recruiter in D3 to build one of those monsters? Yeah. Like what they have at Mountain Union, what they have, what they had at Whitewater. Like you have to be such a creative recruiter. I'm not casting any aspersions, but they recruit differently than everybody else. Yeah. That's just like the SEC. That's exactly right. I wonder if they may, you know, give Urban Meyer a call. That's what that's what I'm, who knows. Who knows? Who I think Urban Meyer's giving them a call. I right, look, I wouldn't blame them, right? You'd be the first guy to ever do it at AM. You weren't the first guy to do it at Florida. We know mm -hmm. what Steve did. Ohio State, they've been yeah. doing that. But yep. at AM, you would be you talk about a statue, dog, they'll build you a monument. Now always laugh to talk about Texas AM and, and money. You've been to the gas station lately? Yeah, those guys ain't broke. So <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I like the fit. Some people. I, I I don't. I, I think he's not. He and fans about it. Than he I would come back to college football and find that it was a lot more like his Jacksonville Jaguars experience than his Ohio State experience. Like, yeah, I, first, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I think what makes Urban Meyer one of his greatest attributes, and we don't talk about this enough, is his ability to hire the right people around him. I think oh, that that's true. his biggest strengths. I mean, there's CEOs that couldn't, you know invent the product or didn't invent the product they have, but they know how to hire people to management and NIL with recruiting at AM, It's not like you got to go out there and beg. No, no. But, but the thing is the first time he tells the dude, he'll put him on the first bus out of town. The dude will be like, cool. 
Uh, can you make that bus ticket to Austin? Because I'm going to go beat yeah. you at Texas. They're already, they're already doing that anyway. Might as well. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let us move on to the Iron Bowl. Jake, am I am I wrong in being more worried for Alabama after New no. Mexico State beat Auburn? Andy, this is how I know you know. You want to know how I know you know other than I watch you do a great job. This is how I know you know what you're looking at. This is the worst thing that could have happened to Alabama. And yeah. it's the worst thing could have happened to Auburn, honestly, just because it's a bad look in the optics, but it is year one. The Iron Bowl, it, you've ever kept up with it, Andy, you know this. It's always crazy, especially at Jordan-Hare. Just something mm-hmm. goes on there. There's some sort of magic. Or, Lock the gates, baby. You know, Hogwarts witchery that goes on. It's, I swear there's like an a, a, a Indian burial ground or something underneath Jordan-Hare. They'll find it 100 years from now. But when I look at this game, Auburn's obviously the, – the biggest motivator is embarrassment for people especially 18 to 22-year-olds. Auburn is unbelievably embarrassed, and they should be. And that's not a shot at Jerry Kill. This New Mexico State team isn't North Alabama or Alabama State, but most people don't know that. They say New Mexico State, it's a money game. You should beat them. Uh, Auburn got dominated in that game. They were not the better team on that day. But embarrassment is an amazing fuel. And what is, and I say this all the time, what is the one silver lining when you have a big-time game coming off a horrible loss, whether that be to a team you should have beat or getting blown out by a team everybody thought it was going to be a good game, you get a chance to redeem yourself. Because if Auburn goes out and finds a way, and I've seen crazier things happen, to win this game, that New Mexico State game, that'll be forgotten about so quick. It'll be like it never even happened, mm-hmm. right? You talk about flipping the momentum. But this is an embarrassed Auburn team after what happened last week. I think this is going to be a tight game most of the way through. And I do like Auburn to cover the 14 and a half. If it goes under 14, I would probably take Bama. But don't be shocked if this game is a little bit reminiscent of the Georgia game where Auburn's just hanging on and hanging on and hanging on and Jalen Milrow and them find a way at the end. The question is, will Jalen Milrow revert back to making any mistakes that he was making back earlier in the year or do they continue to run him the way they're running him? Because if they keep continuing to run him the way they're running him and him and Tommy Reese continue that game plan and play calling, it's going to be very hard. Go back to science and physics. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very hard for Auburn, regardless of how embarrassed or how emotional you are to win this game. But I do like Auburn to cover. And it's the Iron Bowl, man. It's like the Bourbon Bowl. You can't hold anything back. Well, so the Jalen Milrow in the, in the LSU game, the way he was running the ball, you realize, okay, now they've figured it out. Now Tommy Rees understands. And this is the way I, I look at Alabama's evolution as an offense. You know, early in the season, first two games, they don't know who their quarterback is. They're still not sure it's Milrow. They lose to Texas. They're pretty sure it's Milrow, but they got to they gotta let everybody know that, that Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson aren't it. And so they play them against USF. And then they can go, see, we told you. And then you get Milrow back. And now, instead of calling plays for whoever of those three it was going to be, which it felt like is what they're doing, they start calling plays for Milrow. Tommy Reese starts to kind of learn Jalen Milrow ticks, how he operates. And now, I think those two have a really good relationship. I think they understand one another. I just... I'm I'm not sure Auburn's going to be able to handle that. And also, I'm not sure Auburn's going to be able to score on them. Because... I agree with you on the embarrassment thing. I also think, and I know coaches never say this, but there are situations where they they may not say this outwardly at practice to their players, but behind the scenes, 
they're working ahead on that next game because they're not worried about this game. And they're like, okay, let's start working on Alabama now. New Mexico State, we'll we'll just, you know, we'll be yeah, vanilla, we'll be fine. And yeah. that you saw what happened. So I imagine that Auburn will be very prepared for Alabama, but I'm just not sure it's going to matter. So that that's the thing. Also, did New Mexico State take a little of the Jordan-Hare magic out? Because I am of the belief that there are certain days at Jordan-Hare Stadium where the 85 Bears could not win. Yeah, I don't think this will be one of those days because, unfortunately, those fans just watch the team get destroyed by New Mexico State. So... That's that's the other part I worry about. I, I'm going to take Alabama to cover here because I, I just think I think they are starting to really roll. Oh, they they are. My thing, Andy, is like I, I'm, I, the more I look at this Jalen Marone play calling situation, I feel like th this is almost an ego thing for Alabama's coaching staff. Remember the offseason? Nick Saban was like, we want to get back to murder ball. Yeah, yeah. Right? Had old school downhill play action 12 personnel. And they're like, this is who we are, right? Even with Jalen Milrow, that's fine. We'll fit the player to our system, not fit the system to our player. And when you're in a transition period like that, you don't have to go all the way to one side or the other, right? Mm -hmm. You can sit here and say, listen, as we're making this transition, as we're bringing in guys like Julian saying, guys that we feel like can fit this system better, we can still have some aspects that make us the best and most efficient offense possible with Jalen Milrow. Because it's not like they didn't know. It's not right. like they're like, man, wow. Jalen Moreau in the zone read. Oh my God. Like this is, this is really good. Uh, it's like they almost caved like either. And I know what, which way this probably went. I think that Nick Saban wanted to play that murder ball style. That's mm -hmm. what I think. And he told Tommy Reese, this is how we're going to play. We're going to pass from the pocket and he's going to take off when he goes through his reads. And what was happening to Jalen Moreau? He was hanging in the pocket too long, getting sacked. All of a sudden it's like, Hey, we play LSU this week. They are going to score. We have not played a game like this against a team like this, even though our defense is really good. This is going to be a back-and-forth score fest, even though it's at home. So we have to really go all in to this style of system. And it worked, and it's like, well, maybe this needs to be us for the rest <laughs> of the year, and and it is going to be. I feel like it was almost an ego thing because Nick Saban and them are smart enough to know oh, what yeah. Jalen Moreau's good at and what he's not. So I feel like they just finally had to cave. And, look, uh, the best compliment I give Nick Saban is nobody is more malleable even when they're at the top. Mm -hmm. um, and going back to hurry up, no huddle, he hated it, right? He would come out and say, we don't need this to be bad for football, this, that, and the other, player safety. Knew it wasn't going to change, so what does he do? He brings in the best guys to do it, and then all of a sudden you get 20-20. So uh, I, I think his ability to be malleable at the top and, and not stay stubborn is one of his biggest strengths and why he's been able to thrive for so long. I think it gives you longevity. Yeah, I, I – I think he has all those national titles because he's willing to adapt and other That's people aren't. Right. So I, yeah, I, I think they've found a thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's good enough to beat Georgia, but I think they've found a way to optimize this chance. particular roster. So it's their best chance. I mean, you got to get against those guys. I just, I, I wonder on the other side, are, is anybody going to be able to get to Carson Beck? I mean, the man's got yeah. better protection than the president. Like it's incredible watching their offensive line. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Now we go to a game with two backup quarterbacks. Oh man. Let's go to the swamp. Florida State at Florida. Feels so bad for Jordan Travis. This is just a terrible situation. Uh, this is a guy who's brought this program or helped bring this program from the depths to the heights. And now he's not going to be there. And Tate Rodemaker's got to win them two games to get them in the college football playoff. 
But on the other side, Graham Mertz, and and I think the way Graham Mertz got hurt is probably emblematic of, of his season. He's been a warrior for Florida. He's been great given the circumstances. And he just dump trucks two people, breaks his collarbone in the middle of it. And by the way, so tough that he didn't even realize he broke his collarbone and ran another play. Uh, but yeah, so we, we're going to have Tate Rodemaker versus Max Brown in this game. Man, we was robbed. We was robbed. Uh, it, Jordan was having a great year. And I, I tell you, Graham Mertz, uh, to me, was one of the biggest surprises of the college football season and the way he played. Uh, you watch his tape at Wisconsin. You can say what you want about the system. This is a different guy, man. Something about Florida. just uh, The Florida weather, I think. It just does it to people. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it just, just makes you better. You know, when I look at this matchup, I, number one, Andy, if Florida State wins their next two games, they need to be in the playoff. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there should be any discussion. It's it's not Jordan Travis was a huge piece, obviously the biggest piece on Florida State, but you can't take away what what the other guys have done. And, and if you're perfect, you're perfect. Now, do I think they're going to be undefeated going into the uh, college football playoff? No, but I don't think it's going to be because they lost to Florida. I think they're going to lose to Louisville, who, who to me just that loss to Pitt just stings even worse now if you're a Louisville fan. But when I look at this matchup, um, I, Tate Rodemaker does have some experience. Max Brown's going to struggle to throw the ball. You're going to you're going to see more quick screens in this game than you've ever seen in your life in the past. <laughs> you're ready for this. There's not going to be a whole lot of let's get to the third read or let's yeah. get to the check down. It's either going to be hey, first read's not there, you're gone, especially if you see man and their their backs turned, or hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the decision for you, right? We're going to run screens and RPOs that make it easy on you to read. Third and passing, then we'll get into some of the, the more drop-back stuff where, where you got to use your eyes and be able to scan back and forth. Um, but again, I, you know, the under 51 and a half in this game, why would I not take that? I, I think it's yeah. one of the best bets on the board, especially with them playing safe. Here's, here's, here's my biggest worry if I'm a Florida fan. I know Florida's got a good run game. It's a good yes. run game. Right, especially when they're they're getting vertical. But that and box is going to be loaded. It's going to be loaded. I mean, it's it's going to be a warehouse. There's going to be so many loaded boxes in there. But when you when you look at at what's going to take place down the field, you're going to get nine to 10, 11 to twelve play drives. Right, that new clock rule, it's going to be running. But at what point does Tate Rodemaker just have to get the ball up to Johnny Wilson or Keon Coleman? Or Jaheim Bell. I think the run game is going to be fine with Benson. He's a good back. I look at Florida and I see Pearsall. All right, I like Eugene Wilson too. He's a good player, but well, I see Pearsall. Eugene Wilson's one of those. He's one of those quick screen guys. And and I'm telling you, Florida State ball, Andy. He's Florida State's defensive staff is going to go. We're fine three and just hit him off the line of scrimmage because the ball's coming to him within half that's, a second. That's exactly right. I'm not worried about him too far down the field. They haven't been, especially with Max Brown, they're not going to put him that, put him in that situation. It's going to be a lot of quick stuff to Pearsall and Eugene Wilson, right? So is Florida State just going to keep everything in front? Are they going to make them march down the field and kick field goals? That to me I just feel like Florida State at the end of the day does have more weapons than Florida has. And again, go back to what we said earlier. This is one of those games where just like the Nebraska-Iowa game, I feel like a team is going to lose this game, not win it. Win it. Who makes the most mistakes? I think it is going to be Florida, even though it's at home. And I think Florida State, they can turn too many 50-50 balls into 80-20 balls with that giraffe running around on the outside and Johnny Wilson and then Keon Coleman, the magician. Uh, and then Jaheim Bell's just waiting to have a huge game. It, it's it's coming at some point uh, where he has one of those big three touchdowns uh, games with, with over 100 yards. They can hand him the ball off too when they get down there. So I tell you what, man, I, I like Florida State in this game. But um, 
You know what? Give me, give me uh, Florida to cover Florida State to win. Okay, okay. Here's why I'm not going to do that. I've watched Florida's defense play all year, mm-hmm. and I, I imagine because I just saw them against Luther Burden and Theo Weiss, and Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are a supercharged version of that. Yeah. So even if it's not Brady Cook, it's Tate Rodemaker throwing him the ball. First of all, what we've seen from Tate Rodemaker in the limited times we've gotten to see him, Louisville last year, the, the North Alabama and this year, he's looked pretty good. We've never seen him with a chance to practice with the ones, so we don't know what that looks like. But my guess is Florida State's going to look okay. I, I don't know that they will be as dynamic as they are with Jordan Travis in there, but I think they will be a pretty good version of themselves. And Florida's defense is just not equipped to stop that. And yeah. so I'll take Florida State to cover. I'm with you. I worry more about Florida State against Louisville. And here's where I'd really worry if I'm Florida State. If Louisville loses to Kentucky this week, Louisville's going to come out hair on fire next week. Yeah. If Louisville can finally snap that losing streak against Kentucky, maybe they relax and like, oh, we're going to go play a backup quarterback. Yeah. And I realize Louisville did get beat by that backup quarterback last year, and some of those players are still there. But I, that's that's it. If I'm Florida State, I'm like, go Louisville this week, beat the hell out of Kentucky, yeah. and get comfortable because then we can For beat sure. you next week. I would much rather you be coming off a win than a loss when, again, you're embarrassed and pissed off. But I'll say this real quick about Louisville. Andy, how cool is it? To see, uh, uh, you know, Jeff Brom coach team. And we think of Louisville, you kind of think of finesse, right? Like spread it out. Hey, it's a shootout. We won 45-42. Louisville's gritty, man. Oh, yeah. They're downhill. They beat Notre Dame up front like it was nothing. Defensive-wise, I think they've punched above their weight about as much as anybody. But they win games at the line of scrimmage. If you want to have a bar fight, they will walk outside in the alley and will throw hands. Like Louisville's typically not like that. They just want to dance around you and wear you out and then sneak you with one. But no, this team's different, man. And again, I go back to that pit loss. Imagine if we were talking about an undefeated Louisville team right now, possibly mm-hmm. facing an undefeated Florida State team. But I, I think Brom deserves to win one of the, you know, 3,500 Coach of the Year awards. Yeah, agreed. Let us go to the big one now. Yeah. We're going to Ann Arbor. Ohio State at Michigan. The preliminary lines on this, the ones that came out a few weeks ago, were always Michigan six and a half, Michigan five and a half. But when when the time came on Sunday to open it up, Michigan three and a half. People are a little concerned about what they saw in College Park, Maryland. This, you know, basically, you know, the home team getting three and a half or given three and a half means it's probably a pick 'em on a neutral site. This is huge stakes, huge everything. Jim Harbaugh's not there. It's the most interesting possible way to play this game. Yeah, uh, look, please keep betting this thing down. Please, but I don't want to have to buy the point down to two and a half because I'm not taking (laughs) anything minus three and a half. I'll take some plus three and a half. I'm taking nothing minus three and a half. Please keep betting it down. I don't trust Kyle McCord. Everybody in on three. Love, Love Marvin Harrison Jr., you got a Maserati, love Ibuka. All right, you got a Lambo, Cade Stover. You even got a a, a Hummer truck or a Tesla truck. That's great. He's a, he's, he's a combine. He's a he he's is. a combine that's thresher. Exactly. That's what he is, dude. That dude, I, I love watching him play. By the way, that talk about a weapon, especially in the red zone. But when I look at at Kyle McCord, I just don't think on the road in the big house. Even though this game's played at eleven my time Central, which I can't stand. I don't think he can make enough plays against this defense. And I think that Michigan is going to be able to move the ball on Ohio State, even though 
I guarantee you Jim Knowles doesn't play a lot of zero this this year after what happened to him last year with the big plays they've given up. Um, I'm sure they're going to just, you know, try and see if they can stop the run with base stuff, match heavy with heavy, uh, and, and try and stop Blake Corum. But I feel like Kyle McCord makes a couple mistakes. And I know J.J. McCarthy was very willy-nilly with the ball last week. He can't afford to do that. You know, his he, he got – his arm strength improves so much. He's like the guy who lost a lot of weight and I just walked around with his shirt off all the time. Like, dude, you don't have to show it off all the time. Like, every chance you get. Throw the check down. Make the right play. I feel like Michigan just – they're a little more grimy than Ohio State is again this year, though. you got possibly seven offensive linemen that can go in the NFL draft this year, which is insane. And I always laugh when people are like – you know, and, and I kind of chuckled to myself, oh, well, Michigan, you know, they haven't played anybody. We really don't know anybody about them. Yeah, you want to know why I know about Michigan? Because I've watched these same guys play for what seems like the last eight years. Like, this is the yeah. same core the past two years that went and got shoved in a locker by Georgia, right? A lot of people got shoved in a locker by Georgia uh, two years ago. Then last year against TCU, I thought they kind of rolled their helmet out there a little bit, and TCU played the best game they possibly could and lost. But I've, I've watched these guys play. They know what to expect. They know how to handle themselves. I think Kyle McCord makes a couple big mistakes. Marvin will keep a minute. Uh, I think the run game will work a little bit for Ohio State. But give me Michigan to cover. And i tell you what, Andy, I would take it all the way up to Michigan, minus six and a half. Ooh. I think they're pissed off about this Jim Harbaugh thing. And I think it's slowly becoming the norm to not have him on the sidelines. You talk about manufactured adversity. They didn't even have to manufacture it. This is game was, six without him on the sidelines. This game year. six. I asked Cone today, who played quarterback in Michigan. I was like, at what point does Jim Harbaugh coming back to the sideline actually become a distraction? Like, when does that become the weird thing? So, I tell you what, I think Michigan's uh, upset. I think they should be upset in this whole situation. I, I know it's a rivalry game, and this game's typically close. There's a lot of talent on this field. Give me Michigan by at least a touchdown. I love it. It's one of the best bets on the board, I think. Keep betting it down. Everybody in Ohio, keep betting Keep betting uh, Ohio State, please. I'll give you guys a number, 73. Mm. That's not a total. <laughs> I do not think this game is going to hit that total. Do you know and why am I about <laughs> No, no, no. 73 is Ladarius Henderson's number. That is Michigan's left tackle. He did not play against Maryland. They went with Miles Hinton. He got hurt. They had to move. Carson Barnhart over to left tackle. Carson Barnhart at left tackle has been a problem when he's played there. If Henderson can't go, it's going to severely limit what Michigan can do in the pass game. They're not going to be able to protect that well. If Henderson is playing, they will be able to run their full offense. If they can run their full offense, I think they're fine. Now, I think it looks like McCarthy's a little banged up in terms of his mobility. But if adrenaline takes over, and we, he is the full J.J. McCarthy, he's definitely the more dynamic of these two quarterbacks. Now, Roman Wilson, they think he's going to play. Yeah. Obviously, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, not dynamic like Marv and Emeka Abuka. But you saw Cornelius Johnson be very dynamic last year against Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. So it is not inconceivable that Michigan could pop a couple big plays. But if this becomes a grimy, grinded-out game like we saw Ohio State play against Notre Dame, Michigan's going to win that game. Yeah. That's that's, that's a game that, that plays right into Michigan's hands. Mm -hmm. They've got to figure out how to let Marv be Marv. And I don't know if you can do that against this secondary. Yeah. I agree. Because we've seen Marv do this to other teams. And, and look, we saw him against Kalen King. He just he destroyed Kalen King mm -hmm. against Penn State. 
So he can he can do this when he's matched up on somebody good. But I just don't know if he can do this over and over against Michigan or enough to make the difference. So I'm I'm with you. I I don't know if I'm as confident in Michigan as you, but at three and a half, I, I'll take Michigan here. Yeah. I, I want to make a point, and it's a great point you bring up about the left tackle. I think a lot of that, and you know this better than anybody. I mean, hell, you 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 did it for you did it at a very high level. That that's why the run game for Michigan is so important to supplement that play action game, to slow that pass rush down a little bit for JJ. You know the best mm-hmm. way to protect a tackle that's struggling in the pass game is to be able to run right at pass rushers or really run in general to really be able to sell that play action. Because you don't want to live in a world where you got to go help in the whole game, right? Especially yep. in, in predictable passing downs. That's why staying ahead of the change, staying on schedule. One of the reasons George is so successful they're in third and three the whole game. Yep. If they ever that's even right. get into third down. So that's a big part of it. I'm sure that'll go into it. But you know, I mean, y'all all know out there, and, and we know here, if there's any way you can strap it up and go, whether by medical help or spiritual or emotional help, <laughs> you find a way to play in this one. This is, it's going to be great. I love the, just the intensity of all this. It's, oh, you know, I, I've, I've been to Alabama, Auburn. I've been to, to Michigan, Ohio State. When when both teams are great, it's the same level of intensity, and it it does. There's nothing else in sports that matches it. I just I'm so excited, cannot wait for this weekend. Jay Crane, you see him on Crane and Company every morning. I love that morning show. I it's, appreciate it. Man. It's like a shot of adrenaline. Yeah, we'll be your espresso, right? I'll be your Huckleberry. Uh, Andy, thanks so much for having me, man. Really, uh, just you guys do incredible work over there, uh, which you guys are building and, and you yourself, you know, you know, like I said, you know, the respect I have for you. It's a fantastic show and we need to get you back on soon. You were our guest picker a couple of weeks ago. We need to, we need to get you back. I did okay. No, you did did good. You did good. Hey, listen, if you need me championship week, I'm there for you. Andy, look, uh, well, it's like I said, I'll volunteer as tribute and bring you on here. We'll hunger games this whole thing. But, uh, dude, it's always so great to catch up with you. And as much as I love rivalry week, I hate college football is getting towards the end, but hey, you know, it, it is what it is, man. So I uh, hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving too. Thank you, Jake. That's it. Happy following, happy fading. I think you might want to follow Jake. He seems pretty smart. I don't know though. I'm back on the under for Iowa. I, I apologize for, for leading everyone astray last week. Back on the under. Happy to be there. I feel like I'm home. Big show on Tuesday. We will be reacting live to the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night. Also, it's an O show. Not Ed Orgeron, but we got big games involving O teams. Ohio State, we've talked a bunch about Michigan. We need to talk about Ohio State. So we're going to talk to Spencer Holbrook of Letterman Row. Justin Hopkins of ScoopDuck.com also will join us to talk Oregon as the Ducks head into the Civil War against Oregon State. It is Rivalry Week, everybody. Let's go.